Welcome to Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast, where on each and every episode, we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. Today on the show, everybody, we've had a few weeks off from the Jason Aaron retrospective. Well, we're jumping right back in this week, and we're going to talk about one of the volumes of his stories that focuses on Jane Foster, the Mighty Thor. We're going to talk about Thunder in Her Veins. Fantastic story. So many of your favorite classic Thor characters show up, including one that is quite mischievous. And we are going to talk all about this with a returning guest, one of like the first guests that I really like geeked out over. She's agreed to come back and we're actually going to talk about comics today. Mackenzie Lee is back on the Rainbow Bridge. She's back on Across the Bifrost. Mackenzie, it's so exciting to have you back on the show. It's so nice to be back. I'm so glad Heimdall let me back in. <laughs> he's like, yes, back to the back to the land of podcasts. And he's like, <laughs> okay, if if you want to. He's, he's a um, tough but fair guardian. So I it's we were talking about this, like it's been almost a year since you've been on the show. Yeah, which and- I can't believe. <laughs> I can't believe I've had I've had the privilege to do the show for uh, like we're a few weeks away from a big anniversary. It's nuts. Um, but like, what have, what have you been up to since we last spoke on the show when we talked about your your Loki book? Releasing books mostly, which uh, is such a it's it's a commonplace thing for me because it's just my job that I forget it's not right. a small thing to be like <laughs> I've had several books come out. You know, nothing to nothing no big to deal. Do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I am currently working, well, I'm officially finished as of this past week, uh, or finished with the writing at least, uh, I still have more, anyways, uh, I have two books for Marvel that came out. So the one was the Loki one, which we talked about, um, which is called Where Mischief Lies. Uh, and the other one is Gamora and Nebula, Sisters in Arms. So they're the teenage origin stories of anti-heroes in the Marvel universe is sort of the, the pitch for the series. Um, and there's going to be a third one coming out in November. And if we were talking about two weeks later, I could tell you who oh. it was. Like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I was going to ask that because you said uh, last time that you couldn't definitely I know, like, couldn't and talk I, about it at all. It keeps getting, as with as with anything in publishing and doubly so in Marvel publishing, it keeps getting pushed and it keeps getting pushed. And I keep teasing it on Instagram and telling people like, this is going to be the week. Oh. And it's gotten, it's gotten to the point though, where I'm so ready to talk about it and so excited to talk about it that I'm just like blatantly dropping hints left and right. If you spent 10 minutes on my Instagram, you could figure it out pretty easily. And and I, so what I'm going to do right after we're done talking is go like in national treasure style, like try to put all the clues together. Oh, it's, it's not national treasure. It's like Dora the Explorer. Like you'll figure it out. (laughs) So really at my level, I, I... Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not tough. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. I'm just, I'm fed up with keeping this. So I'm like, it's, it must be like, really hard to like work on that project for what, like, how long have you been working on this next project? Oh, I was talking about this project when I was promoting Nebula and Gamora. Cause I remember, uh, doing a, doing an interview for it. And they asked me, and my publicist was on the call too, like on mute, just listening in and uh, like a creep. To keep you uh, accountable. <laughs> basic, well, so they asked, the interviewer asked me, what are you working on next? And I said, oh, I have another Marvel book coming out. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about it. And I think he said like, can you give us one hint? And I was like, I've been reading a lot about the, I, see, I was like, I've been reading a lot about the Cold War. 
And Lisa, who's my publicist, <laughs> this like voice from the gods suddenly piped in. She goes, you can't put, you can't include that in the interview. No, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> okay. No Cold War. Well, Stupid and now I'm like, <laughs> I'm like rhymes with tweet. <laughs> out. Tired of oh my gosh. Secret. I want to talk about it. And it's, see, and here I go. It's, it's my favorite. I love Loki. And I feel like this is blasphemy on this podcast, uh, but this is my favorite Marvel character and oh. has been my favorite Marvel character for a long time. And so getting to write this book was like the, the dream of the fan fiction of my uh, dreams that I somehow tricked somebody into paying me for. Wow. So it's, it's been so cool. And I'm just tired of keeping the secret. <laughs> Well, we like I will. We, no pressure. I I was just uh, telling you earlier that I I I finished Sisters in Arms again. Um, I I read my I read my physical copy that you graciously mailed to me, oh. uh, which I still have on my bookshelf. Oh. I, I still look at it like as one of those like mementos. Um, but then I, I've listened to the audiobook a few times, and every time I get to that nebula scene. Uh, towards the end where uh, she begs Thanos to not let her die alone. I'm like, ah, she's going to do it to me again. <laughs> and I'm going like to cry how, again. You like how you, your viewers can't see this, but you said uh, Nebula dying. And I got this wicked grin on my face. Like, so I was like, which Nebula? There's a couple there at the end. It could have been. And then I was like, oh yes, that, that one. <laughs> I love I, that book, by the way, every time I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to follow it. And every time I feel like there's curveballs after curveballs after curveballs. And oh. I, I just, it's such a fun, it's such a fun listen. Thank it's such you. a fun read. Um, and the I Marvel will... books have been, so they're, they're prose books. I feel like we should qualify that for your, yeah. your primarily comics podcast, but they are like Marvel canon. They're, they're from, from Marvel, Marvel press is the official publisher. Yeah. Um, and as a, I'm primarily a novelist, but I'm also like a big nerd. So getting to do these was incredible and getting to like write in the, right as part of Marvel was incredible. And then there yeah. was sort of this bonus, this bonus gift these books gave me, which is that I got to try out uh, stylistically as a novelist things I've, I've never done before. And it felt kind of like a safer place to try those things because I, I had, a, I had characters, I had the world, I wasn't doing as much of that sort of back end work. So like with Nebula and Gamora, I've never, I'd never written a book that's dual point of view. I've always stuck to sort of one perspective, one narrator. I mean, even Loki, I was gonna say Loki was the first time I'd written third person third person past tense, which doesn't feel like it's that big of a thing, but it's a huge brain shift. Um, yeah. And then Nebula and Gamora, I'd never done the two points of view before. And when we went into the book, it just sort of made sense. Like, obviously they're both going to have their points of view right. and then getting to sort of play even more with uh, who knows what at what time and who's how their stories kind of end up lining up with each other. And about halfway yeah. through the book, they meet up and, and sort of put their puzzle pieces together. And then there's even sort of a double bind at the end. And um and it was so it was so rewarding as a as a writer to get to do that and something I'd kind of been afraid to try in my original fiction. And now with this uh, with the third one, I'm it's a dual timeline. Yeah, dual timeline, not dual point of view. Wow. Um, so there's there's two different time periods. One is <laughs> I <laughs> there's two different time periods. One okay. Is, <laughs> one is in the Cold War since I mentioned that earlier. Um. Uh. And it was it was really tough to map sort of map these two different things because you have sort of a character in the future learning the things that, that are, that's happening to the character in the past and how they sort of map on to each other and it was okay it was complicated to plot sort of on the back end but it it ended up being just a great creative exercise and I love that these awesome. books, because I went in with characters I knew in a world I knew 
it's been it's been so fun to get to do these sort of creatively uh these creative gymnastics shall we say it, like you get to obviously like you I you said last time that you were on and uh listeners if you haven't listened to the first chat that Mackenzie and I had what are you doing like you you need to go back that's, and listen to that podcast episode by far I'm sure <laughs> by far I'm pretty sure I've said that about like 25 different episodes it's like <laughs> as long as I can keep saying it oh, I they, just, can all, they can all be the best that's how I feel about books in general when it's like what's your favorite book I'm like well I have a lot of them Right. I always think there's a part, in, I don't know if you watch the television show 30 Rock, but there's a part where Kenneth, Kenneth is calling everyone his best friend, but then he always does like, so be like, you're my best friend, colon, bald category, <laughs> best friend, comma, handsome category. And that's me with like all my books, all my everything. That's me with my comics. Like, <laughs> you know, it, people have asked, like, what's your favorite Thor story? I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. I'm sure you're going to ask me who's my favorite kid too. Um, <laughs> but like, with, with these familiar characters like these are these are characters that like you've probably at least like in your mind like tinkered with and thought with like oh here's what a Mackenzie Lee blank story would look like and you know getting to write these characters that are familiar and like obviously you didn't create Loki but you're almost like recreating him um and you know with Gamora and Nebula you're recreating them with this third mystery character you know recreating them it, when you went back and were preparing for these like the the like source material i mean we're here like today we're going to jump into source material when you approached comics like how did you approach that for your projects um i'm i'm sure we hinted at it or talked about it last time but like having done a few more of these projects since then like what has that process been like engaging with comics well with loki because it was my first one I'd done for Marvel, uh, I made a, a, a fatal error without realizing I had made that error, which is I tried to read every piece of source material in existence. Uh, so wow. I was like, I'm going to read the, I'm going to go back to the poetic sagas from Norse mythology. I'm going to read the original myths. Wow. Then I'm going to read Neil Gaiman's version of the myths. Then I'm going to read uh, the, the, the Victorian retellings of the myths. And then I'm going to go read the comic. Like I was doing, I was doing too much work um, yeah. by trying to read every version of Loki in existence in the Western canon. Uh, and then That's simultaneously funny. trying to make my version of Loki, all of those things to all of those, all of like to sort of combine them all and, and make him all of those things. And I ended yeah. up writing the book several times and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working and it wasn't working. And I eventually hit a point where I was like, I think it's not working because I think I'm this character. I'm trying to make him everybody's Loki. Yeah. And in doing that, I've lost what my Loki is. Um, and I forget that, that people are coming to this because they want my version of Loki, not because they want to read, uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh's Loki or, or Taika Waititi's Loki or whoever. Yeah. Um, or if they do, they're in the wrong book. Uh, and I was so, but I was so, I, I felt all these sort of voices and these influence influences sort of pressing in on me and it was really tough. And it took me a long time to, to figure out what to do with that. And what I kind of ended up doing was taking all the, the research I'd done, all the source material I'd done and, and throwing it out the other side and uh, <laughs> trying to focus on it and think about it as little as possible. Um, and then with Nebula and Gamora, the great gift of those characters is that there's not a ton of comics about them. First of all, they don't yeah. exist outside of the MCU, which thank goodness, because that was the other thing with Loki. It wasn't just Loki in the MCU. It's Loki of Norse mythology who exists yeah. in 
um, a thousand different, a thousand different books and versions. And um, with Nebula and Gamora, not only are they only comic characters, they're pretty new comic characters. And yeah. the version, I talked to Marvel about this pretty early on, because there's sort of these, you know, these space age weird girls versions of them before the Guardians of the Galaxy movie happened. And then they sort of got reinvented for the, um, for yeah. the, the, the comics and to sort of co coincide with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I talked with Marvel uh, and they really wanted these books to be can uh, to be comic compliant. Um, but with Nebula and Gamora, we sort of said, nobody knows these characters beyond Guardians of the Galaxy. We have to lean into that. We yeah. have to lean into these sort of new, the new mythology for them. Um, and so because of that though, there wasn't a ton to read. I did, I mean, I read, I read what there was, um, familiarized myself with their, with their stories. I, I read more about Thanos than I did about Nebula and Gamora. Um, I've referenced this so many times and I cannot remember who the author is and I really should look it up. Uh, there's a comic series of Thanos where he is friends with friends with death in his childhood. Um, gosh, I, I, I'll have to send it to you after and then you can yeah, edit it. You can edit in a voiceover of me just like clunkily with to totally different microphone, totally different uh, room tone and everything. And it'll sound just flawless. It. Yeah, it'll be great. No one will notice. Um, but there's there's a great there's a great comic run of Thanos and death and their relationship and sort of Thanos's origin story that I ended up finding the most the most helpful, the most informative. Um, Oh, there's also a great Nebula run where that's kind of a space Western that takes place later in her life. And I can't remember who did it either, uh, but there's there's some really, really great stuff out there, but it, it just didn't feel so overwhelming um, yeah. both because their their comics, their comics canon is so much smaller and just their their Western Western yeah. canon is so much It was smaller. finite. Like, yeah, there, there and was, I, it was attainable. Then, yeah, Loki, even in the comics, it's like you couldn't read all the Loki comics if you try. Nope. Um, and so with this third mystery character, I feel like I've stuck, I've struck a better balance. And part of it is okay. because their, their MCU version of them versus their comics versions are similar, but different. Um, yeah. It didn't, I don't know. I didn't feel so married to either one of them um, oh, cool. or, or so reliant on either one of them, I guess. With Loki, it was like lots of pressure to be like, this is, com it's comics Loki, but in prose novel form with Nebula and Gamora, it's like. Well, obviously we're relying a lot on the, on the films. And with this one, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm like, well, it's the third book. I finally got it. Now the trilogy's over. Finally figured and, out how to do this. <laughs> and I mean, you're, uh, you became best friends with Zoe Saldana through the process. Right. Yes. Um, best friends. Five, five Instagram DMs later. We're best right. Friends. It's like, um, that was so five wild. more than I do. That was so wild. So I have to tell you quickly. Um, so for, for, for the listener, um, one day Zoe Saldana popped up on my Instagram and was like, look at this book about Nebula and Gamora. Congratulations, Mackenzie. Um, and then I passed out. And once and I, I was by, um, it was so strange. Uh, but so I had been specifically told by Marvel, and I think it's because Marvel is so weird about keeping their comics and their, their cinematic stuff separate. And yeah. I think the comics people are a little resentful of the movie people because the comics people are sort of like, we've been here forever. We've been nerds before it was cool and we suffered. Right. Now you guys come and with all your big flashy budgets and nobody reads the comics, they just, so I think there's a little bit of like internal. Wait for the movie and then you throw our books Yeah, away. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there's some, yeah, there's some nerd trauma there, which I completely understand. Totally. Uh, but so because of that, they're very intense about keeping them separate and they don't want me to reference the, the movie stuff 
and they really, really don't want any cross-contamination with like the, they, they said this to me as if I had any access to them. Like with Loki, they're like, we don't want anything to do with Tom Hiddleston. I'm like, cool. I don't have access to Tom Hiddleston. That'll like, be easy for me to not do. A problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then at one point they emailed me, my publicist at the time at Disney emailed me and was like, so we've gone through a lot of, a lot, we've jumped through a lot of hoops and we finally have permission to contact Tom's agent to send him a copy of the book. I'm like, why is this what you were spending your time on? He doesn't care. This is a care. What is happening? Like, it's just one of those things. I was like, really? Just it's not him. No, <laughs> it's, it's not. And surprise, surprise. Never heard from Tom Hiddleston. Can't imagine the book ever got to him. He was doing his um, Broadway show at the time though. And one of my readers was like, do you want me to just go hand him a copy at the stage door? I'm like, it would be more, more effective than whatever, whatever, uh, process marvel is going and through and mailing it to him anyways but yeah i was like i don't really care if tom hiddleston's right anyway so i had been specifically told like don't don't talk to the actors don't talk to any which whatever okay so zoe saldana puts it on instagram um and immediately i got an email from my publicist saying how'd she find this book i was like why would i know how zoe saldana found this we're book? not friends <laughs> in spite of what everyone seems to be uh, in spite of our five instagram dms we're not best friends um, but so I did end up sending her a copy of the book. I DM'd her back and she was so lovely and just so like, congratulations on the book. And I'm so glad you guys, and she doesn't know me. And it was lovely that she even responded. But so I sent yeah. her a copy of the book and I said, out of curiosity slash, so my publicist doesn't, um, crucify me. How did you find this? Can you just confirm? I didn't personally tell you about this. And I need said, testimony. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so I was like, so apparently her mother has a Google alert set for, I don't know if it's for Zoe or for Gamora <laughs> or what. And so her mom had seen it in like a, like a IO9 article and had sent it to Zoe, like you're in a book. And so I was like, cool. yes, it's, it's you. And, <laughs> And I just thought it was so cute that her mom had a Google alert and her mom had seen it and sent it to her. That's the best part. It was pretty <laughs> darling. I don't know. I hope I get cool enough that. someday. My parents have Google alerts for my stuff. That'd be <laughs> well, awesome. My, my other favorite story, and my my mother's currently in the next room right now, and she always oh when I tell this story, she always goes, Don't tell it. That's not what happened. So I'm, we'll see if she crashes into the podcast. Um but when Sisters in Arms came out, I did a live with uh, with Marvel on their main Instagram feed. Awesome. And, um, <laughs> I can hear footsteps outside the door. Um, and she she was watching because it's very cool. And there's like 10 million people watching it because it's Marvel. Wow. Um, they have all these followers. Only probably about three of them know who I am or are there because they care who I am. They're all there because they're watching the live and they think something's happening on Marvel. And then they sit there and drop comments about... Uh, what they would rather I be. So they would rather I'm Benedict Cumberbatch. They would rather, you know, like they don't, they don't, oh, know. Know, they don't know who I am. But so my, my sweet mother was watching the live and watching all the comments and was telling me after, uh, I can't remember if it was after or during or something, but she said something to me about, uh, or I'm no, it was this, I mentioned her in the live. I said something about my mom. Um, and then she informed me later that everyone in the comments was talking about how they wanted to see, they wanted her to be in the live. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, they, they were all, they all kept asking for a sneak peek of mom. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're That's looking awesome. for, they're looking for the multiverse of madness. And then we had to, so everyone was waiting for the, the multiverse of madness trailer to drop. And my, my dear mother was on the other side of a Marvel live thinking, oh my gosh, I just did it to give you a hard time. Yeah, that's, I love that. I just got that audio to share 
uh, not with 10 million people, but oh my gosh. Every, awesome. Now, next time you do a pod, we do a podcast episode together, everyone's going to be commenting saying sneak peek of mom. <laughs> It's good. I, it, I know. I know. <laughs> Telling tales. Isn't it so funny that like Multiverse of Madness came out Mother's Day weekend? The initials are mom. Ah, I didn't like, even put that together. <laughs> Scarlet Witch, like all she I wants. Know. Is, like I, I kept telling people, I'm like, it's a perfect Mother's Day movie. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look at it. Look at all the signs. All the and signs. Their mom. Oh my gosh. It so. <laughs> Anyway, you needless to say, you've been up to a lot since I have. I've been a little busy. So, like, I am I'm so excited for what we get to talk about today. And listeners are probably probably like, hey, like, are you guys done hanging out and just like chatting? Like, we got comics to get to. Uh, I know. No, but I'm thing- sorry. I was, I was busy talking about my best friend Zoe Saldana. <laughs> If my best friend, I'll put it this way. If my best friend was Zoe Saldana, the whole subject of this podcast would change. We, we would just watch Avatar and Guardians of the Galaxy all the time. Tell me about this. Tell me about this. <laughs> but so we're here to actually talk about comics today. We are. I am so excited to break down comics uh, with uh, a writer. Like, I know you don't write comics. Has that ever like occurred to you, like to write in a, that medium? I think it would be cool. I think I, so I'm a, I'm a pretty new comics reader. I aspired to be a comics reader as a kid um, and just didn't know how to be. Um, I would, I would pick up comics in the library every once in a while and was like, okay, so I, I know who Wonder Woman or I know who Captain America is, but this story's starting in the middle and I don't know how to find the beginning of it. And I don't know who all these are. Like, I just didn't know how to read comics. And and comic books, I remember there's a comic book shop when I was growing up and I went in a couple of times and it just felt so, so not for me. Like it felt, I was a, I was a kid or a young teenager and it's all these like adult men who don't really want to talk to me. And all the covers of all the comic books are about men and scantily clad, like everything about comic books at the time felt like it was telling me these are not for you. Mm. And then the MCU started coming out and it was like, suddenly everybody has this sort of foundational groundwork of understanding for who these characters are. So now it's easier to pick up comics. It's also, we have great resources for, um, on the, we have great resources on the internet yeah. to say like, okay, here's what you need to know. Here's what you missed. You can kind of catch up on things um, or even just like develop a foundational understanding of these characters. And they just feel so much more accessible. And so I became a comics reader because of the MCU um, and now am becoming more comics literate um, and more graphic awesome. novel literate. But it's something I feel like I would I would need a lot of practice in, in reading still before I could figure out how to write it. Well, the good thing about that, Mackenzie, is like, like whenever like somebody tells you they know like so much about comics, I always like to say like they know half. <laughs> of what they're going to t- like like i know a hundred different things like they know 50 they know 50 um but you're you're right like i so many people like they get they jump into comics through uh, a different avenue whether it's like mm-hmm. a friend recommends this and they just fall in love or like you know a video game or a, maybe like a tabletop game something like that but for the most part it's like no, I see a movie and I want to know more. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you're probably aware that there's a big Thor movie coming out in a few months. I have it, heard about that. Yes. I keep calling it the little indie flick that, that like it's <laughs> chug, chug up the hill. Um, but, director. <laughs> but Love and Thunder is coming out in a few months and we're super excited about it. And part of our preparation for that movie has been this Jason Aaron retrospective where we're following 
the works of Jason Aaron's uh, Thor run, basically tra uh, trade paperback by trade paperback, storyline by storyline. And um, bef like before we jump into these comics proper, I just want to ask you one more question. Like, did you have any knowledge of Jason Aaron as a creator beforehand? Um, I don't like I don't expect you to like know everything, but did you at least like maybe check out some of his stuff? If I tell you I know 100 things, you know, I only know 50. Um, <laughs> I, I knew of him a little bit. Okay. Only in my, in my sort of uh, attempt to read everything Loki in the Western canon. <laughs> so I was aware of, I was aware of this run. I was aware of him okay. as a creator. I couldn't have told you, I couldn't have told you anything about him. Okay. Well, well one thing I'm, I'm sure you're at least becoming more aware of is Jane Foster is Thor. Now. Yes, yes, yes. So like when, when I asked you to do this, like, I was like, I'll bet you, like, I had no idea what knowledge you had of this character, of these comics, but like, I'll bet you she's going to really dig Jane. As Thor. <laughs> um, like, what did you think of this character? Like, because Thor is, you know, most of, we know him as like the dude with, you know, really long blonde hair and, you know, he's chiseled as hell. And, you know, that's kind of the dude we know. But Jane is like, she's different. Like, what did you think of this character going into the story? Um, exactly what you thought, which is I really dug Jane as Thor. Like it's a it's a really cool it's a cool twist. Um, it it complicates both her character and sort of everything, all the machinations around Thor and Asgard. Um, and so there's there you're you're reinventing relationships and reinventing uh, things like yeah relationships, things like relationships yeah. between Loki and Thor, between Asgard and Thor, between Odin. Like you're 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 retooling these these things that felt pretty not stagnant but like if you take everything about thor and say like these are always the the for sure things which is odin's always thor no matter what version you're in odin's always thor's dad loki's always his half brother yeah you know we're always in asgard and now suddenly everything's just a little bit a little bit thrown off balance by, yeah. by jane's presence and i think that's so fun because it's it's challenging the things about thor that you thought were the only set in stone things yeah, I think that's, I, yeah, I never really thought about that. Like you have to like reorient yourself mm -hmm. to it, but, but it's not like you're upside down. It's more like you like turn 10 degrees Yeah. and, and you're just like, okay, I, I like, I still know all these pieces, but I have to just kind of look at them differently now. When you see the characters doing that a little bit too, like they're not totally reevaluating sure. their world, but they're reevaluating it with a new Thor in it exactly and uh this so this new thor just to kind of bring listeners up to speed because it has been a few weeks since we've done the jason aaron retrospective um we are coming off of really jane's first adventure as as thor uh where she roughs up a bunch of frost giants and then odin is like super pissed um that you know anybody anybody um would kind of usurp his um i'll say his his patriarchal kind of structure that he's got going on uh he can't imagine that his son is not thor anymore uh because of the events of um the original sin storyline and uh then we we took a little bit of a <laughs> we did this out of order uh so we last time we were on the retrospective we talked about the unworthy thor well technically the unworthy thor is supposed to land after this uh but if you're a stickler for timeline stuff i would just say listen to him in that order then if you're a stickler for timelines you need to pick a different medium than marvel <laughs> comics to obsess over read a history book <laughs> like if you want everything in sequential the continuity order. gives me a headache 
Uh, where, like, like, there's, they're really just leaning into it, especially in the films, even where they're like, none of this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, it. watch Moon Knight. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> tell me, like, tell me, it's all, it's all just linear. Uh-huh. Um, but like we, we jump into this story, uh, there was there had been an event right before this series um, called uh, Secret Wars, where like uh, the whole Marvel universe got thrown up into the air, and like all the different pieces are falling uh, in different places. And Jane restarts her adventure here, and we get kind of a reintroduction to her. Uh, and the first issue, we're, we're just going to jump in. We're going to go issue by issue, get Mackenzie's thoughts and uh, some of the like the high points that really like jumped out to her and myself. And then um, we'll, uh, we'll get to the end of issue five and I'll explain why I did this so disastrously out of order. Um, but the first issue starts off with Jane kind of setting the stage for her chemotherapy. Um, Cause she has breast cancer at this time. And so she's kind of, she's pulling double duty. She's both, she's Thor and she's trying to combat cancer in a very human way. She doesn't want to do magic. She's like, I'm going to handle this the way that like my people handle this. Um, so she was refusing magical treatment. And while she's in chemotherapy, uh, she gets this like this warning that the, a, a space station is dropping from orbit. And she and, and the Avengers kind of jump into action. There's so many like awesome awesome illustrations of her you know just looking so badass in her cape and with the hammer and it's awesome uh russell dodderman the artist just he draws the hell out of this comic um actually about that point in the comic i was thinking about because i'm i'm this is my job and i think about these things um (laughs) but i was thinking about if you are writing these comics how much how much I wonder, and I wonder if every relationship between artist and, and writer is different, but I wonder how much the writers provide guidelines for what the illustrations are going to look like and how much is they just put Jane Smash's space station. And then there's like several pages of beautiful, imaginative, gorgeous art. Like it's, it's, and I, like I said, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but that's, that sequence specifically made me start thinking about, I wonder what the relationship is like. I don't know if you have any insight in that. Well, I know like, uh, Jason said Jason said before on like under other interviews I say Jason like we're buddies um, it's like you and Zoe, yeah, me and Zoe. Um, so yeah. uh, so that like sometimes like he would write it he would write a simple description and then he would give it to an artist whether it's uh, Esad Ribic, Russell Dodderman, Mike Del Mundo really largely the artists he worked with and he'd be like hey, like here's a description and whatever he imagined in his head they would come back with something 10 times better so I think for him, like he would say, like trusting your artists, like do like to come back with things that would just blow your mind. And I think like there's several points, like even in these comics where like Russell Dodderman, like I, I can't imagine what prompt he got, but whatever prompt he got, he like <laughs> he hit a home run. Um, but I think trust, I think trust is a big thing, um, like between artist and 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 writer and colorist letterer like all the different you know members of the team uh, but yeah it's i mean a good sometimes i'm just like yeah what was the direction there because that's just so much mm-hmm. um but then like the jane discovers that this station had fallen from orbit and she goes up into she goes up where the space station was supposed to be and there's all these dead elves these light elves from alfheim just like floating around in, in the vacuum of space and she starts to kind of 
go on her, you know, go with her detective skills, try and figure out what's going on here. And um, she's like, okay, well, I, I've got to get back. Like, you know, uh, Volstag is waiting for me. And I love Volstag like so much. He's my absolute favorite. Did, did he make a cameo in Loki, uh, your, your book? Or am no. I, he didn't? No, no, I'm sorry. Darn it. Um, maybe, maybe that's the book I need to write. Uh, so I say he did in another version of the multiverse. Oh in, a, in a different mom <laughs> <laughs> in a different mom volstag and her go back to asgardia and they're both the congress uh, congress people on the the council and uh, they're all talking about Which, like sidebar sorry oh, go ahead because, because again so much of my foundational marvel knowledge is uh mcu based and because so much of my foundational nerdness is star wars based specifically yes. the star wars prequels Man, when that Senate showed up between the Natalie Portman Association oh. and the, I was like, Padme. <laughs> I know that's not, nothing visually really cued me to that. It was just all of me, all of the baggage I brought to this comic. <laughs> and to add to it, I just watched Attack of the Clones last Perfect. night. In celebration like, of the anniversary. Wasn't it just the like. It was just the 20th anniversary. Or 20th. Something. Something I, I was gonna say seven years. I was like, nah, it's been longer than that. Like attack attack is like my believe it or not, Attack of the Clones is my wife's favorite Star Wars movie. Oh, this is not a Star Wars podcast. I am a very ardent prequel defender. Um which me maybe, too. Okay, me too. Maybe maybe that'll be your next podcast is just us defending the prequels to I, each other. Bring it. Like because you're 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 a kid of the 90s, right? I was gonna say I think we're probably similarly aged. Yeah, and yeah. You probably had the same experience as me, which I was just so excited there was more Star Wars. Right. And it was magic. Like you I'd never seen CGI any of that kind of stuff. Yep. The lightsaber fights were so fast. I didn't notice that that there's no there's no uh inflection in any of the lines i didn't notice the racist overtones of jar jar Binks. like didn't pick up on any of that and nope. I just, it was just exciting to have new star wars and it was yeah. so cool and i still just have so much nostalgia attached to them i so uh real quick you know what it's my show um <laughs> qui-gon jinn to this day is my favorite jedi darth maul is my favorite bad guy like yeah. I, I was nine when I saw Phantom and like, we must I, be exactly the same age. Cause okay. uh, I was, I think I was nine too. Uh, I, so, but like, I remember the first time those doors open and Darth Maul's there. I was like, Oh, we are in a different world now. Yeah. Love it. Uh, oh, I just love saw, it. um, last week I just saw, uh, in, in here in Omaha, we have a, a, a great, uh, community symphony and they just did empire strikes back. Like you got to watch the movie, oh, how like, fun. You know, like all the dialogue and the symphony played along with it. Oh, Coolest so cool. damn thing. I, it was, oh, it's the best. If they ever do Phantom, I will pay for front row seats. <laughs> um, but anyway, Star Wars aside, Star Wars, Star Wars aside, that's a different which, that I never thought I would have to say, you know, oh, <laughs> let's not talk about Star Wars. Um, but like when they, when they meet as, as the Congress of Worlds, they're like everybody is like okay malekith and the dark elves are up to no good and this like this has to be them like we have to do something about this and you know everybody's talking back and forth they make you know these comments about like oh uh this reminds me of another place where they do a lot of arguing between you know uh political uh people and i'm like good one that was a good one um but but then they, they come to this conclusion like hey odin's not going to do anything like He's he's spent months not not doing anything, 
Um, and then we go to Freya in prison and Freya is there for the charge of treason. Uh, and that, that leads to a, a confrontation between uh, Jane as Thor and um, the, basically the, the goons that Odin has put in charge while he's kind of MIA. Jane's going to go help out these light elves that are getting massacred, whether they like it or not. Um, she's like, she can't do nothing. She's got to do something. And uh, Heimdall, uh, Heimdall and her kind of together, they, they kind of, they, they agree like, Hey, something's got to be done here, but like, I can't, Heimdall says, I can't like go against the wishes of the all father. Um, we find out how that gets you know handled in the next issue. But then, um, but then at the end, like we see Loki for the first time, Loki. Yeah. Been, uh, shows up. Yeah. So Mackenzie, there's a lot in this first issue, but like, mm -hmm. what were like some of the first things like jumped out to you? Like this, you know, like you said, like, you're not like a, you don't read like all the comics that have ever been written, but like what, what jumped out to you from this issue? And we'll like kind of pull at those threads. So I was thrilled that Loki showed up. That was a nice surprise that I wasn't, I wasn't. I was ready for you to read that. Cause I was like, I know how the first <laughs> issue ends. Yeah, I was, not only did Loki show up but he's a great Loki. Speaking of all the versions of Loki in the Western yeah. canon, like, this one was fun. He was a good uh, balance of, I, I, I mean, he, I think he, he, he was still Loki but he did good things, but he also does bad things. Like that's the most fun about Loki. I just uh, did a I did a deep dive recently into the Loki TV show, um, which I I really really enjoyed, but was reading a bunch of criticism on because uh, I'm a masochist, I guess, and I still really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> but it was an interesting. Anyways, it was a it was a the article I was reading in particular, the essay was about the interaction of fan culture and. Uh, and the the how, how fan culture influences the the things that it loves and how Hiddleston's Loki, which was one of the examples, is a character that has sort of evolved to almost meet the the fan interpretations of him on mm. on Tumblr and in fan fiction and things like that. Um and I it was a it was a good critique. It was a really valid critique. I still really love the show. Um but so it was interesting to get back to go from that to then reading this version of Loki that I feel like is much truer to uh, earlier versions of Loki are more, more original, original. No, that's the wrong word. Um, but yeah, more of that Loki that I really love, which is the one that's, uh, that's kind of goobery. Um, he's still a little bit goofy, um, goober. but, <laughs> kind of a goober. Um, That'll be the pull quote. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a goober. Um, but also still very sinister and capable of doing really terrible things, but also has yeah. these really lovely moments that the, the thing about Loki that is so fun is even when you have spent ages and ages and ages, when you've read poems and comics and books and movies and everything, there's still those moments where you're like, ah, maybe you've changed this time. Maybe you're a good guy now. And he never is. And Ugh. that's what I, that's what I think I missed a little bit in the TV show. Um, because they, you, when you make him the protagonist, you inherently have to make him a sympathetic character and he can't, uh, say stab his mother in the back. And yeah. I liked that we had, um, we had, I think he works better as a side character and yeah. I liked side character Loki. I also was not, not into the sort of stubbly version of him that, that um, our, our artist was drawing. It I, was quite Hiddleston-esque in how his face was drawn. Like too. a little roughed up though, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I don't know if Hiddleston can grow a beard, but that sounds 
well, he actually he has a he has a, I think he has a show on Apple TV or HBO Max right now where he has like a like a I mean his I think his true hair color is reddish. Yeah, is it Essex Serpent? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't. Book, by the way, <laughs> I, haven't I haven't seen the seen show, but the book is Cobb. Didn't know it was a book. <laughs> yeah. No, it's sorry. Fine. Everything's a book. But, um, but he has this beard in the promotional material. I'm like, hmm, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Stubbly Loki was not not interesting. Um, <laughs> I yeah. I I really enjoyed Loki in this one because he retained his his essential Lokiness that I really enjoyed. Yeah the the mischief the tricks that yeah. we it, it is funny how like the tricks and the unpredictability it's not always i think for me loki's not always about because i hear mischief and i think of like oh he's stealing one sock from a pair and hiding it um you bastard loki loki's really he's like a little bit oh sorry this furniture moving um <laughs> loki's a little <laughs> bit more he's a little more sinister and he's a little bit more um it's the unpredictableness that you know yeah. he has a plan but you don't know what that plan is um, right. and you can't anticipate it and you always as much as you think you're a step ahead of him you never are um yeah getting back to that sort of part of the character was really was really appealing to me and like he he's he's given this task at the end of the first issue and we go into it in the next few issues like he's given this task of like hey if you want to be part of our you know super secret awesome villain club with malekith and ulick and um you know some of the frost giants and um, many others you need to murder thor and he's like okay we'll give it a shot well and we we get a little bit of the the dueling halves of loki in that we see him interacting directly with the frost giants and then also with odin so we see him his sort of dual the dual facets of his identity here where he's raised by asgardians but he is a frost giant and um i there's also a really really stunning visual image in the comic book of when jane uh puts the hammer on Loki's chest so she pins him to the ground and she's just been stabbed correct yes um, and so it's like him laying stuck under the hammer and she's kind of curled on her side next to him while he, it's just this it was a beautiful visual I was so yeah. struck by the visual of that um and it reminded me of one of the strengths over the com of over comics as a medium versus prose which is you yeah. there's no mention of that visual in the text but it's so lovely yeah it, it like whereas like in prose like if you want a, a laboriously describe it <laughs> if, and i've done yeah. that where i have these like very specific odd configurations in my head and it's like okay three paragraphs later maybe you understand what i'm talking about but also i realized that most people probably skimmed it and are imagining it totally differently you're like oh no no i am i have become i have become tolkien <laughs> <laughs> but like by, by the way by the way so i in in your books and like i i regrettably i've i've only read the marvel books so far uh, but like you describe a tire it like very well <laughs> and, like that that sounds like so dumb um as if you were trying to do it badly a lovely compliment but like you like you you always like go into like detail on like what a character is wearing and how they're wearing it and how it feels and and now having like seen you um uh, see you uh respond to the met gala on instagram i'm like okay i get this <laughs> my super bowl yes <laughs> this is my super bowl yes well, I, I i think that comes a little bit from i'm primarily a historical novelist um and so it comes from a little bit trying to put into what usually i'm looking at visuals i'm looking at 
what dresses look like, what uh, houses look like, what anything. And so you're trying to, it almost becomes a game where you're trying to describe for the audience something that yeah. they've never seen before, but that you have a very clear picture of. And I think that translates into Nebula and Gamora was interesting too, because I've, I've never done a sci-fi book. That's sort of the first true sci-fi and it has sort of shades of shades of the old West in it. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's pretty true sci-fi. And so getting to sort of build a world where I didn't, I had visual references, but nothing I was directly pulling from yeah. uh, was, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to use this. And it was interesting to try and find the balance between how do you, how do you describe something? So the, the reader gets it, but you're not describing it to the point that they don't have room to fill in their own, their own ideas and imagination too. And like, the so this is really inside baseball here like <laughs> at the end of sisters in arms you describe a, a dress that gamora gets put in by the universal church of truth and yeah. like i'm li i'm listening i'm like i see that dress like i see it and it was so like vivid to me so that you know the the action scenes that come after that i'm like oh right she's still wearing this dress oh but see then then i do that too or as a writer you forget that she's in that dress um, and every <laughs> once in a while, I just did that with the mystery character I'm working on now loses, loses their shoes at one point in, in the book. And I just went over final proof pages and copy edits. Um, and I had several notes from the proofreader that were like, he's not wearing shoes. You're talking about him. Like he's literally chipping over his shoelaces and he's not wearing shoes. I was like, right. He's not wearing shoes. Thank goodness somebody's tracking this because you it's like a cool detail in the moment that he loses his shoes and it's funny for like one scene because it's yeah. whatever's happening. And then three scenes down the road though, you're like, oh, I forgot it's not relevant anymore. So he's not wearing shoes. They need to either put shoes back on or I need to Yeah. Or people like switch outfits halfway. That's why copy editors and proofreaders are great, because they they notice that kind of stuff that indispensable. And yeah. and also listeners, um, one thing I, I have learned, uh, like listening to and, and reading Mackenzie's books is like, I, you love the word trousers. Like, I don't think you, <laughs> the word pants. um, like I, like I have never used that word as much as like, that's again, that's my, that's my historical, historical background. And also the fact that so many of my characters are English. Um, and when you have English gentlemen in the 17 and 1800s, if you're first of all, if you're saying pants in England, you're referring to generally what we think of as underwear. Um, and so, and then especially when you get back into the, the 17 and 18th century, um, trousers would be the word. Uh, you're, you're lucky that what didn't end up in Nebula and Gomorrah is the word, uh, well, it's breeches, B-R-E-E-C-H-E-S. Uh, but when you say it with a posh British accent, it's britches. Um, and I specifically, <laughs> this, this is so your listeners are not interested, but it's fine. In my, I'm interested though. This my, is awesome. My 1700s adventure novel series that I wrote before the Marvel books, which is called the first one's called The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. Yes. Um, the narrator, the audiobook narrator for those is this incredible, incredible actor and fine gentleman named Christian Coulson, um, who's best known for playing Tom Riddle in the second Harry Potter film uh, when he was like 19. Oh, yeah. And that's I, so cool. I put that on Insta, or when I first announced it, I was like, Tom Riddle from Harry Potter is doing. Uh, the audiobooks and I put it on Twitter and I didn't know that there are two actors who play Tom Riddle and Harry Potter and yeah. the main differentiator seems to be hot Tom Riddle and weird Tom Riddle and I found out he's hot Tom Riddle because I was like I don't oh, well, I don't know good. but yeah, he's hot Tom Riddle um uh and so yeah he did the audiobook for the first one does a great job and and britches is a great word like he just he the way he says it you have to listen to the audiobook the audiobook's fab I love the audiobook for Gentleman's Guide um, and then he came back for the third one as well. Uh, it's a different narrator, but 
same character, same male, it's a male character in the same family. And oh, awesome. uh, the character who's the narrator of the first one is in it a lot. And so I was like, we got to get Christian back and he's lovely and loves these books. And so he came back and did it. Um, and once I, once I found out he was going to do the audiobook, I ended up kind of putting in, like, there's one scene that I like fleshed out because I was like, you know what, Christian was so funny as drunk Monty in the first book. I think we need a little bit more. We're going to milk this scene of drunk Monty a little bit. <laughs> so there was, it was fun and I've, I've become friends with him. And so we've had these sort of like, it was fun to have this sort of interaction with, with some, not a, not a visual artist, but another artist who was working yeah. on the project and it's just delightful. So I, I possibly use the word britches too much because I just enjoy hearing Christian <laughs> say it. Um, yeah. But yeah, trousers is definitely a product of the 18th century historical fiction writing. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this feels like something that like just kind of bled over. And I like, and now I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to look back through like my own like stories that I've written. Like what word do I just love a lot? Because um, it's probably not obvious to me. Yeah, um, you don't notice it. We all have these little like, like it's not verbal, written written ticks that we do. Like I use, the, I, I hesitate to even point them out um, because then I feel like everybody's going to see them, um, which is I use the phrase for a moment a lot. Um, and it's just filler. It's like saying the word just or like, or, um, or something like that. And it doesn't need to be there at the time. So usually before I've learned now that before I turn in my books, I do, uh, find and replace. And I search for the, the phrase just to, or for a moment and oh, okay. out like 90% of them. I do the same with the word just, cause I use that all the time. Um, yes. but I'm sure my first couple of books are just littered with it because I didn't realize I was doing it. Um, and then I, I listened to the three gentlemen's guide audiobooks uh, right before the third one came out because I was doing an Instagram live series. Um, and when you listen to them all like that, cause I'd never read them all three back to back cause I wrote them so spaced out. Yeah. Um, and when you, when I'm not listening, I mean, I've, I've read them, so I'm not listening for plot. I'm listening just to sort of refresh my, refresh my mind. So I'm aware of so many other things, man, you realize the, the, the like imagery you repeat a lot you realize the little turns of phrases yeah. you repeat a lot and you just go oh why did nobody stop me so, and <laughs> I'm sure nobody else notices it apparently except you who notices trousers which is one I, I have not noticed so I have a new new thing to be self new thing to find and replace at the end of every book no I loved it because I was like I was like a word that I would never use in in like just casual conversation I'm now like I'm gonna throw it into a conversation someday and see like what some of my like Midwestern town folk people be like, what you talking about <laughs> pants? You're talking about pants? <laughs> See, it sounds weird. It sounds weird when like the universal church of truth or Thanos or someone is like, and then you, I don't know why Thanos would ever say, it, and then you put on your pants, but Thanos <laughs> would use the word trousers. But my goodness. This is like, we have comics to talk about. I'm like, guys, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is like, because, because we've already talked in the past and like, I, like now I feel like I just like, I know your vibe better. I'm just like, you know what? We're just going to chat. But like, you know, okay, let me wrap up issue number two. Uh, Loki gets tested by Laufey to see if he's really a tough guy newsflash loki's really a tough guy because he can get all the ice giants to attack each other by putting words in their heads super cool scene jane fights off all the thunder guard with heimdall's help and then heimdall pushes her through a portal to go to alfheim they come to alfheim alfheim's you know completely you know just under attack by malekith and at the end loki's brought in to confront jane and uh, he's like i just want to talk and jane's like I'd never trust a Loki ever. 
Kane goes, Kane, you Kane's never actually... just want to talk. <laughs> no, he, he is good with words, but that's not his only thing. Right. Um, but in that second issue, it really like it really goes, it transitions into the the third issue where we actually get to see them in a confrontation. Do you feel like there's anything from that second issue that like really jumped out to you um, specifically? About Loki or about? Just about like that second issue where like Jane's fighting the Thunder Guard, you know, Loki's fighting the Frost Giants and then they kind of meet up at the end. I mean, I love seeing my favorites in the same room. Like I, it's, I mean, it's interesting too, right? Because Loki no Loki doesn't know Jane is Thor. Right. Um, but but Jane knows who Loki is and has had interactions with him before. And I think that's such a fascinating and fun dynamic is when um when that that he doesn't know the nature of their relationship, but she does, and and so they're not quite meeting on even footing. I thought that was fascinating and fun. And I was I was kind of delighted by that extra detail. At um, one so point. You, you always have to kind of suspend your disbelief that if somebody covers up the top half of their face, everybody's like, who are you? It's like, it's like the Superman thing. It's right. like, okay, so, you can retcon it any way you want. That guy, there's no so, way. So to be fair, one time I saw a picture of Zoe Deschanel without bangs and I was like, oh, I get the Superman thing. That really changes the person's face. <laughs> that is amazing. Bangs. Nobody would know. That needs to be a story you tell, like from now to the end of time. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Hear me out here. Zoe Deschanel without bangs. <laughs> Hold up my flashcards. <laughs> yes, I like to think that you just have like new, like new girl flashcards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just... Hit the lights. Well, PowerPoint. I was, I mean, I'm the idiot that thought, you know, Jake Johnson and Oscar Isaac were the same guy for a whole year. Like, I can see that. I didn't know Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Gosling for, were different people for a long time. And I still have moments with all the Marvel Chris's yeah. to get all bumbled up in like, my head. Throw them into a blender. Like, just, you know, they, they got all kind of like the same basic features. Yeah. Uh, the casting anyway. call at this point is just, we're looking for a blonde man named Chris. <laughs> And Hollywood's like, well, we have a baker's dozen of them. So what do you want? Um, I, so we get to issue three. And this is really where like the Loki-ness of the whole story goes just berserk. They're having a conversation and Loki is trying to like get her to trust him, but also like lull her into like a false sense of either confusion or comfort because at one point all these different Lokis show up like little Lokis big big Lokis and then this lady Loki shows up like that so Mackenzie like sorry that sounds like a children's book little <laughs> Lokis big Lokis red Lokis blue Lokis <laughs> it yeah it's it's one fish two fish but rewritten for the Marvel Universe verbal trademark Mackenzie <laughs> Ryan no one can use that verbal that uh that doesn't need to be that's to me your other shtick you just go around like verbally copywriting things <laughs> like i'm gonna use that someday i'm gonna i'm gonna use that uh so all these loki show up Mackenzie, and like you have written the character you have like lived with this character in your brain for long periods of time like what did you think about all these different loki's like interacting with each other and like they're all kind of picking on the main loki at, at, at that we've as, been that we've been acquainted would, frankly that that right is exactly how you would expect that interaction to go. I mean, it took me back to my favorite part of the Loki TV show, which is the, I think it's the fourth or fifth episode where he goes into the, he gets 
put into the, I can't remember any of the things gets put into the wasteland and there's all yeah. the other Lokis interacting with him. Like I loved that. I thought that was so fun. And that's part of why like the multiverse is so fun is that you can have these different versions of these characters that not only exist side by side with each other, but that interact with each other and the timelines end up overlapping. Yeah. Um, so that was my first sort of visual I went to was the, the, uh, the, the TV show, the Loki TV show and that episode of it. Um, yeah. And I, I think Loki in particular, as a, as a character is, is such like the, the, the shape-shifting element, the multiple different versions of him, like all of that is so intrinsic to his character, but I think it is such a good uh, metaphor is maybe the word, or maybe just a, a representation um, of his, of his duplicity as a character. Yeah. Um, and it's such a, it's such a, like of all the characters to have multiple versions show up, Loki is the one that I I think it makes the most sense and and feels the most yeah like multiple loki showing up in any any story about loki would not feel weird or out of place right yeah like because like if an alternate version of a character shows up like sometimes it's it's very jarring mm -hmm. um and it's like oh wait hold on like you're not the one we're used to like so it's it's clearly like you're the other character and like this is the character we know but yeah with loki it's just like yeah there's so many versions in there like you know, uh, kid Loki, classic Loki. You know, there's a from the Al Ewing run of Loki. There's the old man Loki. I love Al Ewing's Loki. Yeah, there's we there's. I by the way, just you did your Zoe Saldana, uh, thing. Like I was the other day, I was DMing with Lee Garbett, the artist oh, behind man. Agent of uh, Agent of Asgard, and I was just oh. like, I was like, I was like, hey uh uh yeah you're lee garbett uh yeah uh but i was talking to him about the um the loki story that he and al ewing did for the um thor 750th issue special and it was awesome like you you get to see you get to see uh, loki go back and revisit like other versions of himself it's phenomenal oh, anyway one. talking to lee garbett <laughs> and well. just like, you know the work the work that they did on loki is just like it's it's quintessential with the character. Mm -hmm. Like when, when I, when I want to, when I want to recommend Loki stuff now to people, I usually, and like, no, no joke. This is what I do. I say, well, you need to read agent of Asgard and you need to uh, read where mischief lies. Oh, <laughs> um, you're and, so, very kind. I would not put those in anywhere near the same category in terms of foundational Loki, but I appreciate that. But you know, I just imagine that like you, Al and Lee could all have like a really fun conversation about, about the character. I think they would have a fun conversation and I would sit there going, I'm not cool enough to be here. What am I doing here? <laughs> so we can see all these Lokis and there's like a really cool moment here where like female Thor faces off against female loki kind of like mirroring the decades long feud that mm -hmm. uh you know the 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 classic thor the classic loki have have been in for you know forever and like for a moment i'm just like man that's just like really cool to see so i was actually thinking about this and i've been thinking about this a lot as we gear okay. up for love and thunder as we gear up for she hulk uh and there was another one that oh miss marvel uh, miss marvel I think it was maybe Kate Bishop, but she's not really, anyways, point is, um, yeah. oh, oh, no, it was, it was Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, uh, uh, what's his name? Sam Wilson? Yeah, taking over as- Anthony Mackie? Yeah, I know, I was like, Anthony <laughs> Mackie, that's not his name. 
um, taking over as Captain America. And I was thinking about this and I've been thinking about this a lot and I don't think I have a good answer to this question okay. or to this, this subject. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts too. Sweet. As a, as a nerd child who mostly got male, male characters to look up to, it's always very exciting to me when women show up in these spaces and when non-white characters show up, when non-straight characters show up. Yeah. But at the same time, there's always a part of me that bristles a little bit when we say it's not Thor, it's Lady Thor. When it's not Hulk, it's She-Hulk. I'm like, why can't we have characters that are just, that are not A, defined by their gender in relation to sort of the, the original version of them. And then that sort of also always kicks off a discourse about, you know, they're lady ghostbusters. So the internet hates them. Um, that was a deep pull. I <laughs> <laughs> have a lot of of trauma from that um but i've been thinking a lot about that and why yeah. we can't why we can't embrace original female characters why we have to frame them around a formerly male identity in order to yeah. take them seriously in order to think of them as worthy of a big blockbuster franchise as i don't know i've just i've been it's something i've been thinking about a lot and i'm always like i was very happy to see jane as lady yeah. lady thor i will be very happy to see natalie portman show up as jane as lady thor these are all things I'm always excited and happy to see, but there's also a part of me that's like, why can't, why can't we just, why can't she be her own thing? Yeah. I honestly, like I do, I like, I do love it because when I, when I look at Jane in these comics, I I'll be honest, I see Jane, like I see Jane with the hammer and, and I guess the, the exterior. Yes. Like she's fulfilling the role of Thor, um, so I totally get what you're saying. Um, I think of in those moments, I'm just like, she's like, she's just a cool, awesome character. Yeah. And uh, so I, I guess maybe that's my fault for not maybe like thinking a little deeper on that one. But I, I don't but think I, it's your fault necessarily. I think a lot of people do see it that way that the the sort of the the people who are really into it see it that way. But when you hear sort of the cultural conversation around it, what you hear is Lady Thor. What you hear is... Um, I keep thinking about She-Hulk because that trailer just just dropped. Um, but that's another one that yeah, it, it's she's not even like she's she's not. I don't know. It's she's not even different. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like it's, it's, oh, we're anyway. So, that's a whole other thing. But I don't. I I I believe you when you say you see Jane and Jane having this great run. I don't think most people do though, especially the people who don't have sort of this deep yeah love well, and knowledge. It, I, I, so if like the, i think honestly like the technical answer is you know you have these characters that are largely established in the 60s they're written by straight white men and so most of the characters are straight white men or okay. at least you know straight women who are mostly white um and you have that like those those are the roots of the characters so like they have more uh like cultural awareness going forward like when most people think of say Iron Man, they're going to think of Tony Stark, who, you know, for the most part is a straight white male character. And when you like a few years ago, they Marvel wanted to kind of reinvent that that character. I don't know why I'm so stuck on Iron Man right now, but like they they put Riri Williams in the role. She's a, a young black girl. Right. And like you'd have, you'd have thought like you'd have thought like they would have like crucified Iron Man. And, and it's like I, I kind of see where like that was probably going to happen because like for 50, 60 years, like they've gotten, you know, most people have gotten used to knowing the character that way. So even if they're not in, even if they're not being told, like you have to be this character, you're still inheriting that character's legacy. Right. 
and you're carrying the weight of that legacy. Um, so yeah, it may not be fair. Um, it, it may not be. Um, but if we don't want to saddle women and minorities and, and people of color with that legacy, then why not just, why not create new characters? Yeah, um, I, I, why not create I, a new canon? Why are we just, why are we now remaking things, but with, with girls in the front of it? I don't know. I, I, and also I just thought of this. I hadn't, uh, and I've, I've, I'm guilty of this a ton. You just referred to Lady Loki facing off as Lady Thor. And it occurs to me that Loki is an established gender fluid character. Right. So He's not even Lady Loki. Loki is just Loki. Um, and yep. even then it's just, it's the obsession with gender in comics is, is an ongoing fascination slash point of kind of nausea for me. <laughs> It's it's a it's a point of nausea for other people, but probably for yeah. other reasons. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. Like the the gender fluidity of Loki is one of those topics where like you find people that like either like really resonate with with this character, or you find people that are like, oh, what the hell? Like, come on, can't comics just be comics? I'm like, <sighs> Christ. Um, so just I couldn't agree with you more. Like, I wish that people would go out on a limb more and just like just create a character like create a new character um i wish we had the faith in female-backed franchises that we didn't feel like we had to rest on well people won't come see it because she's a lady but if she's thor then they'll come see because they like they like thor more than they hate ladies um it's a little bit what it feels like sometimes and so i wish that i wish that that didn't exist but I also understand that it's a systemic problem that is not solely Marvel's and not solely, um, yeah, solely anybody's. It's just it's part of part of one of the things I don't really love about love about the world. It, like it's like when I was about a year back, I was listening to a friend talk about why he didn't like Black Widow, and I'm like, mm, I. I, I feel like there's one reason you didn't. Oh, like every Widow. complaint I hear about Captain Marvel about how she's a, she's a Mary Sue. I'm like, A, I don't think you know what that means, first of all. B- You read it somewhere. Yeah, like, I think you know 100 things about Mary Sue's, but you only know 50. 50. Um, but also I'm like, literally everything you're complaining about in her, you lose your mind over when it's Tony Stark doing the same things. Or I saw somebody complaining on the internet, surprise, surprise, about, they're like, well, Tony Stark had to like test his suit and build his suit. She just like gets her powers and is good at it. And I'm like, yeah, cause no male hero ever has just gotten powers and is good at it. Like, or you see the same thing with like Luke what? Skywalker versus Ray, where people are like, Luke had to train for, it. I was like, Luke was on Dagobah for 20 minutes. Like, yeah, right. Down. He didn't Everyone even finish his training. I know, they're like, he worked with Yoda so hard. I was like, did he though? Luke slept through slept through high Jedi high school. Such a whiny up. turd the whole time. <laughs> I can't anyway, lift a rock. Oh no! This is a whole. We've gone down. We've gone down a side street that I I shouldn't have taken us down. But <laughs> it it was something that I've been thinking of in terms of I back to back the She Hulk trailer dropped at the same time yeah. I was reading this, and so I was thinking about uh, the the prevalence of the 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 rebranding of superheroes as women rather than letting women be their own their own characters and, and having their own franchises so it had been on my brain and, and i think that's why like you know honestly i i gravitate to characters you know like like i think black widow is an awesome character yeah and she's not she's not based on a on a, like a male mirror image yeah exactly scarlet witch she's not based on something she is who she is 
And you um, know what's wild is these characters that people respond to so well. Everybody's losing their minds over Scarlet Witch with good reason because she's phenomenal. Like she's such a cool character, and I feel like so many people, myself included, have just been like sitting on their hands waiting for this moment when it's like someday, Wanda, someday the world will will, will appreciate you. We'll um, see you the way we see you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so we have these great. We, these great female characters that people respond to so well. And it's like, so why do we keep going back to like, yeah, defining women's characters or trying yeah. to like shoehorn in these female characters that are mirrored in a male, in a male version. Yeah. But like, you know, it's, uh, I was just about to get on my Catwoman. Like, right. I love the current run of Catwoman, by the way. Do you read any DC comics? McKenzie? Not really. No. Cause that's see my, I have the same problem with DC that I had. So the Marvel stuff I got into because of the movies, the DC stuff, I have no point of access to because I cannot make it through one of those damn movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I don't like movies where it looks, the movies are so color, the colors are so dark that I worry something's wrong with the contrast on my television. Like, right. Those are even the Dark Knight, everyone loses their minds for Chris Nolan. I think Chris Nolan's a brilliant director. Dark Knight is not my, not my area of interest. I like my superheroes to be a little bit, uh, to use a previous phrase, a little goobrier. <laughs> well i mean they were, so okay let's get back to like the gooberiness yeah let's uh, talk about let's talk the, about loki so towards the end of the third issue um you know a bunch of bombs get dropped on alfheim while jane's having this conflict with all the loki uh, you know versions um and she goes up to save you know to save everybody from these bombs and she loses grip of the hammer and she turns into jane again like you know uh uh, like she says she's you know 90 pound weak chemo patient she refers to herself like that pretty often um and she's falling out of the sky and she's trying to you know grab the hammer um and <laughs> loki says like oh maybe i'll get my own adventures now like maybe this <laughs> won't be so bad um <laughs> any questions like beard or no beard i'm like well you're halfway there man uh, and Mackenzie does not approve uh so no i like i like the stubble you, oh, you do like the stubble. stubble. Oh yeah, no, I I was enjoying it. It's a oh. it's a good look for Loki. Uh, then I I'm wrong. Um, so <laughs> I'm very okay with being wrong. Uh, so uh, then we jump to like we find out that Freya is going to go on trial for for her treason, and uh, we were left to get into the next issue, which has like the best cover. Like I love this cover. Before we go onto that issue, uh, yeah. I promise I'm not going to detour too far again. I totally love fine. one of the things I really did love about Jane as Thor is the dichotomy of physical weakness and physical strength. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that, yeah, her, her sort of mortal version of her is going through chemotherapy and is very sick. And then th that she has this sort of superpower. And I think that's such a great representation of what so many of us like in superhero stories, which is the idea that like anybody can, anybody can wear the mask, anybody can put on the suit. Like for, so for a lot of these people, they're not, a lot of them are superhumans, but a lot of them aren't like even like Steve Rogers doesn't start out as a superhuman. Tony Stark isn't a superhuman. Um, and this idea that any of us can be great, what you really need, which is the thing that Jane has consistent through both versions of herself is she has this sort of moral, moral strength and this sense of good and self-sacrifice and willing to put herself after everything else. Um, and I loved that you have these sort of two physical, the, the two different physical states united by her strength of character and that that's sort of the thing they both have in common. And I thought that was just, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool setup for a superhero story. The, like, 
Yeah, I could not agree with that more. And, and like in the wider scope of what's happening in Thor's stories at this time is like Jane is struggling physically, mm-hmm. and but she knows who she is. Like she's yeah. she's resolute in like who she is, what she's about, what her goals are, all that. Where like the flip side of Thor Odin's son, like he is physically like strong nothing's changed like he's still physically as capable as he's ever been he has no idea who he is without the hammer oh i hadn't thought of that that's so there's like this duality of the both versions of thor both you know both characters are struggling with different things Mm -hmm. and they're they're really struggling with the flip side of what the other character is really strong in yeah and and i love that like i love that you know you peel back the layers of the onion and you get to see more um, you can see more of what these characters are really built out of. And Jane also has that like classic Marvel trope of whenever Thor wins the fight, Jane loses. And whenever Jane kind of wins, Thor is kind of dropped back a peg. Like it, they used to do that with Spider-Man all the time. Like Peter Parker gets the girl, but he also loses the fight or yeah. like he wins the fight, but he misses Aunt May's doctor's appointment or something. It's, you know, it, that, flip side it's great storytelling it's it's part of why these these narratives work so well um also a shout out to the panel the again the beautiful beautiful art in this that's so cinematic and so gorgeous where she's falling she loses her grip and then you have this moment where her finger kind of brush it barely brushes Mjolnir and then she hits the ground and she's Lady Thor. It was just so, it was so beautiful. I really thought that was such a great sequence. <laughs> those are, those are shot. Those are like panels where I call them take my money panels. Uh, <laughs> like, I said, like, Hey, this panel is going to be in Thor. I'm like, well, here's four bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, and like, yeah, Dodderman, like he writes, so he, he draws so cinematically. You can just mm-hmm. see this playing out like a, like an epic movie. And one thing I love what he does and several artists do this now where the sound effect of what's supposed to happen will be like embedded in the thing that's happening. So like I, I, I pulled this one up. Um, so like she hits the ground yeah, and right in there, it's like, thoom. And I'm just like that's yeah, you can hear the so good the sonic resonance of it, man. Um, it, people that don't listen, uh, people that don't read modern comics, like, oh boy. We missed out on some good stuff. Um, but we we come to this um this moment where the, the queen of the light elves is like, hey, this has got to stop, and like I'm gonna do whatever it takes to to make sure that my people are saved. She tells Jane she has a plan, and then she goes into this like inner sanctum with Malekith to kind of strike a deal, and he says, um, basically, like we can solve this without bloodshed. Um and essentially proposes to her to to join the elf like the sub like races of elves the light and the dark elves to join them together as one he gets in this little quip where he's like you know uh, you know would you rather i drop to one knee um which was like you slimy douche um you know but he he he's really kind of he's putting all the pieces on the chessboard to play the game the way he wants to play it um and this is all leading to something that they've alluded to this war of the realms mm-hmm. that malekith is setting up for and you know really the conflict with the light elves is a small component of this larger conflict that he's trying to you know orchestrate and then you know he hopes win um 
and we we kind of end we end our stuff with the light elves there for a time because we've got to jump all the way back to Asgardia and talk about the trial between Freya and Odin. Like Mackenzie, uh, Freya and Odin going back and forth. I, what did you think of that? I loved it. I've got this page pulled up because I my my one of my favorite bits of dialogue in it is the. It was so Princess Bride when he's like, you have to confess. And she says, you wish to confess to me? Very well. And it was so like, you wish to surrender to me? Very well. I accept. Um, and I, it, it's great. And the gold tones in this art are so beautiful. I love the way she's drawn. Under yes. Various, various shades of gold comprise all of her. I really love that. The um, So what's kind of nuts is like, I can't remember another version of Freya. Like, I'm sure I've read a dozen versions of this character and seen her drawn so many different ways. This is the only one that actually like, stays with me hmm. because like her headdress is so like elegantly like sweeped back. Her, she's got the big like pompadour kind of hair going on. Uh, it's and it's like, of Matt Gala. <laughs> right, right. Like she, you see her walk down, walk down the carpet and you're just like, mm, you belong here. That's breathless the um the conversation piece that i really zeroed in on i actually wanted to read because i think it like it brings out so much of odin's frustration and freya's frustration with him uh and it's uh this bit on um i forget which page uh it's uh, i'll find it i'm right there with you it's on page 14 um it's uh odin says i assure you the ways of my father are very alive. I assume you understand your penalty for treason, Freya says. If I were you, I'd be more worried about the penalty for tyranny. Odin says, damn it, this is your life we are talking about, woman. Think of your children. And she says, I am, and of their children after them, and the manner of Asgard I wish for them to inherit. Perhaps it's you who should think of someone other than yourself. Yeah. It's like, like, and then he just like stomps his like spear into the ground and it like cracks around the throne. I'm like, this version of Freya doesn't back down to shit. Mm -hmm. Like she's, she is here to be the voice that Odin like refuses to listen to. Yeah. And I'm, I'm no fan of Odin. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed her telling him, telling him what's what. Everybody's favorite, favorite emotionally abusive parent, Odin. Not a, fan, not a fan he's such a douche he's the worst um and, and really like favorite tumblr meme text posts because also when you write a book about loki everybody sends you your everybody sends you those kind of things anytime any right. one of them pops up it's great um there's one that it's like odin talking about thor and he's like the day thor was born the sun shone on his head and angels sang and then it's like the day loki and then and then it's like Odin talking about the day Loki was born. It says, I found Loki on this curb outside of a Taco Bell. It's like, yeah. <laughs> found him outside on a curb at Taco Bell. That's great. No one quite so much as uh, the the patriarch in uh, Arrested Development. You know, I can't remember the, the character. Oh. George Sr. There we go. It's the same, same energy. <laughs> yeah, very much. Very much. Uh, but the, like at, towards the end, Jane shows up again because she's heard about this trial that Freya is going to go through. And just as Odin's about to like sentence her to death, um, Jane shows up. She like bursts like this lightning like beam comes through 
uh, into this you know inner courtroom and she's like no not happening like I, we're not we're not doing this like my fight is with you and she hits odin in the face it's the best <laughs> like he's he's been dogging her for 10 issues now ever since she picked up the hammer and she's like no we're done like we're gonna do this we're gonna do this um and the last panel is them like charging up to hit each other again um it's just this clash like it had to happen yeah it had to happen um uh, anything else about this fourth issue before we get to the last issue in this in the thunder right. in her veins storyline let's go into the last one okay Probably last one pattern. home stretch this one is a non-stop like yeah for real it's like a mortal combat fight um <laughs> So they're fighting, you know, Thor and Odin are fighting through, you know, through space. They're crashing through moons. They're hitting each other with everything they've got. And Jane is basically like in the narration box. She's saying like, he never thought I, he never thought that I was worthy, like ever. And he's like, I'm going to show him like. Wait, maybe this, wait, I just had a thought, but I'm sure everybody else already had and was screaming yeah. at the podcast earlier. Maybe that goes back into the Zoe Deschanel slash Clark Kent of it all. Uh, which is that they don't see Jane when they see Thor because none of them think she's worthy. Like as a, as a mortal, as they don't see her as a worthy partner for Thor, let alone as Thor to, to bear Mjolnir. So you, you don't see it because it wouldn't occur to any of them that it could be Jane Foster. You don't see it because you don't want to see it. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of like, yeah, I can definitely see that. Like, and even with like the other superheroes too, it's like you don't see Miles Morales because nobody thinks that Spider Man is going to be this like black kid from Brooklyn. Um, it's just, I, I'm sure literally everyone listening to your podcast is like, yeah, no duh. That's like the whole, that's the whole impetus of all the superheroes. Hey, all, all of you, lay, lay off my yeah, you're having uh, but th this fight like this fight like again talk about another issue where like the art just goes nuts yeah the, the the fight scene it's it's like watch Mackenzie were you a Dragon Ball Z kid I was not but I can see the I can see the comparisons based on what I know of, of Dragon Ball Z as I'm so, like, spinning, it's these spinning. big sweeping energy blasts yeah. like craters in you know uh craters in moons and then we jump back to Asgardia. The smash cut from Odin, like screaming fire, burning out his eye, like fighting with, and then we smash cut to Freya and Loki standing calmly in chains, talking to each other. It's so like <laughs> another one that I was just like, oh, perfect. Yeah, That's it's like totally, it just fits. Yes. Oh, exactly. uh, and then they're talking about how like, you know, the 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 Thunder Guard and the the, the Minister of Justice, Cole Borson, like they're coming. And like all of the heroes that we know, you know, Heimdall, Sif, Fandral, Volstag, you know, they, we've all got to like, get, we got to make our decision now. Like, are we going to, are we going to stand up for, you know, the Asgardia we want, or are we going to settle for the Asgardia we're getting? and they 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 make their choice they make their stand and there's this awesome you know this awesome panel at the bottom of one of the pages where all the heroes are kind of lined up and it's like okay this is the squad this is the squad that's gonna you know say say no to this this dirt bag and um they start to fight and uh that like we're left there you know as they're clashing 
And then we jump back to Alfheim and this wedding, uh, but let, let's be honest, this like coerced, <laughs> this coerced union um, that happens, you know, Malekith now having control and power over Alfheim and they just lock the queen up because he, we also get a great, sorry, I just remembered this. I don't know how yeah. I forgot that. We get a great cameo from one of my favorite characters who shows up in my book, which is Amora the Enchantress. Right. So, how have we not talked about I, Amora? I, this... I forgot too. Oh, um, no. I just saw her on the page. Um, yeah, Amora, who's like fully embraced. In my book, she's a little younger, so she's still waffling. a li- She's, she's kind of sinister, but she's still forming who she is. In this, she's just like full-blown evil. Also drawn weirdly like Kristen Chenoweth, which I'm not mad at. Uh, just <laughs> Right? oh my i hadn't noticed that yet <laughs> um, but yeah i'd forgotten she was in here and i'm all, she's one i'm always happy to see show up she, she goes she goes full chenna with in this uh, so. <laughs> oh that's my fan casting is chris and chenna with us now i want can we go back and redo the loki where mischief lies audiobook with chris and chenna with as the narrator or Kristen and- with just when amora's talking so it's like deep male british voice and then Kristen and with <laughs> oh my gosh Malik. It, but... <laughs> but like and then hey maybe you could like add a musical number in there yeah by gravity for her to just slay yeah. uh so, so then we like we jump back to the fight between odin and thor and like there's just so much great back and forth here the art is still insane it's it's drawn so dynamically there's one punch where Jane uppercuts Odin in the face and his like his nose and his mouth it's all bloody yeah, exactly. you're, like, yeah, exactly. you're like yeah get it get it <laughs> and, and then of course we, we jump back to the fight and this is where twist Loki of all twists most, <laughs> what was that twist of all twists Loki is at his most Loki because wow. Freya has stood up for him and said like I I don't trust you know the 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 god I see before me I trust the boy I was that I raised and you're just like oh mm, such a deep heartfelt moment and Loki um Loki says this uh the the fight is over and Freya says uh now Loki first we win Asgard and then we deal with Malekith Loki says you were right about everything well almost everything and he stabs freya in the back with a poisoned uh blade and she this blade i just noticed this this panel of when he says you were right about everything you could the the sort of magic is gathering in his hand and when you look at it it just looks like a magic ball and then when you realize that he's about to stab her you turn the page and it's great page turn um you realize it's starting to form the knife that's just yeah and and even the the sound effect that freya makes when she's stabbed is like drawn in this like scratched yeah, blood it, color yeah it looks like the mad max when they carve we are not things in the wall of the right the wall of the cell, yeah good mad max reference um but th- but then like odin even during his fight with thor he he senses this and he's like wait what is this like i sense it. oh wait no and they're like their fight is over like the fight is over right now, right then. And he flies off um, to, to go back and get Freya. And then you find out that um, as, as Loki's leaving, he kind of gets a tough talk from Cole Borson's like, Hey, like, dude, like, don't, don't come back here. Like, it's I enjoyed, not gonna... I enjoyed the line. That's the, um, you, you stabbed her with a poison dagger and she's not dead yet. So you're either really bad at poisons or really good at them. Like, yeah. <laughs> The narrow, narrow window. Oh, that was awesome. 
And, and also with Loki, you'd never really know. <laughs> you would never know because he would never tell you. Yeah, and I was gonna say whichever whichever it ends up being, he will adapt and make it work. <laughs> <laughs> he would adapt, make it work. He's very he's very effective like that. Yeah. Um, then at the end, we kind of get some of these wrap up pages where we kind of we see where all of our characters are at at the end of the story. You know, Odin is is nursing Freya back to health um and weeping a lot like they like he's they've got a lot of work to do to reconcile but his love for her is still evident at somewhere somewhere deep in that callous heart he still loves her and like she still loves him i think the fact that she challenges him at the trial the way she does she she knows he's not beyond hope or else she wouldn't say all of that and and like yeah odin not a real sympathetic character uh for for most of the time we see him but there's a there's a shred of light here there's a shred of hope here that he has enough compassion you know to to try and bring his wife back to health we see heimdall back on the um back on the rainbow bridge cole borson has become the regent of asgard which is you know bad news bears and um then uh we, we see jane walking through the streets of asgard with all those wanted posters still and so she knows like her her struggle is not over um we see the queen of the light elves uh in prison uh because that's where malekith left her and still wearing her wedding dress like that was i think that was one of the things where like oh like they they don't, they don't care at all yeah. um and loki uh is in the um in the he's in jotunheim and then we see that last big, you know, big page of Jane flying away. And she says, she says this, um, uh, as one guardian soars above them all, her name is Thor and like it or not, she's not going, not anywhere. going anywhere. I love yeah. it. J- Jason Aaron like does that where he's like, he knows about the criticism. Like he knows what people are saying and he'll just straight like, like, yeah, not going anywhere. Uh, she is here to stay. Uh, mm-hmm. So we get a little bit of an epilogue, um, yeah. you know, where we find out what's up with Thor Odinson because he's Odinson's not in this whole comic at all. It's it's Jane's book, um, but we find out what he's been up to, and that page actually leads into the unworthy Thor. That's where I misstepped, everybody. What I got it, got it. So, but Mackenzie, we're at we're at the end here. Like we are. Uh, so um, before we shut it down, uh, what were like some of the things like? things like maybe we didn't talk about as much as you wanted to or things we left out um as we're leaving the book any final thoughts on thunder Honestly, I, I think we covered it all i yeah. really, really enjoyed this i will be i will be reading further and yeah it's it's beautiful it's so beautifully illustrated it's so cinematic like you said the i hadn't noticed the the fact that the the sound effects were sort of embedded into the illustrations like my brain yeah. had I'd seen it, but I hadn't really processed it. Uh, yeah. So it's so cool. Like it's just a little things like that, or like when they're fighting at the end, the fire looks so electric, and Loki's magic looks so electric. It's it's a really really solid solid run. I really liked it. I have re I've reread whole issues of Russell Dodderman's work just for the art. <laughs> and honestly, Mackenzie, like if you really like this art, he is a phenomenal follow on Instagram because he'll post like stuff that he's working on. And he, he's been doing this lately where he does collages of different characters. So like he'll do a, a variant cover of say the Scarlet Witch and sh- he'll do like 15 different versions of the Scarlet Witch in the same image. 
Oh, cool. It's so cool. Like all of her different like costumes and stuff. He did a, 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 a um, an invisible, an invisible woman uh, variant cover from the Fantastic Four. It's gorgeous. Um, anyway, he's a great follow on Instagram. Um, but um, as we go out, Mackenzie, like what, what can we expect from you? How can people reach out to you? Like, how can they support you? Uh, follow me on Instagram at the Mackenzie Lee, which is T-H-E-M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-L-E-E. Um, and soon you'll be able to find me and support me with my third, my third mystery character book. Um, and then the other two are available in bookstores, bookstores everywhere, Loki Where Mischief Lies and uh, Nebula and Gamora Sisters in Arms. So buy them in bulk. <laughs> yes, buy them, give them to your friends, give them to your enemies. They're great, yeah. Throw them at your enemies. <laughs> Here, read this great book that's written really well. Um, but I, I'm so excited for this third character. Um, I can't wait for the announcement because I have a guess and I don't want like I don't want to guess because I don't want to like put you in a weird position. But like I was gonna say, let me wait, guess, but I'm gonna cover my face so you can't see if I have a visible reaction. Okay. To it. okay. So okay. fans, listeners, I think it's the black widow, but that's just from like I, I also just am like I've 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 enjoyed both these books so far. It's like, oh my gosh, Mackenzie writing Black Widow would be so cool. Or like even like Yelena, that'd be like the sickest stuff. Anyway, I'm done speculating. M- Mackenzie's back in the room. <laughs> but uh, I saw nothing. I saw no reaction. Um, but uh everybody, we're really excited for Mackenzie's announcement. I also told you that I have an announcement for our big anniversary episode that's coming up in two weeks. So here we go. Whew, I'm all nervous and stuff, but like the interviews already happened. So, but I'm already nervous to, to <laughs> tell you guys. So June 6th is the one year anniversary of Across the Bifrost. It is the 60th anniversary of Thor. The first issue of Thor came out in... God knows when 60 years ago on that, the first week of June. So for this big anniversary special, I wanted to have an awesome guest. And I was like, uh, up until a few months ago, I was like, what are we going to do? Like, I have no idea. So I looked over at my wife and she's like, you know, well, what's your dream? And I said, well, my dream is to interview like my favorite comic book author, my, you know, my creative hero, the person that I, could not respect more in the world and she's like so you should ask jason aaron to be on the show and he said yes and i i lost my mind (laughs) like so gosh it you know sorry you're making this announcement and i'm reacting like (laughs) this should be the reaction video (laughs) like but yeah, so on June 6th, I did a two-hour mm. conversation with Jason Aaron. He could not have been cooler. Like, sometimes they say, like, don't meet your heroes. I'm like, screw that. I met my hero, and he talked to me for two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, it's part, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a Thor deep dive because he's known for writing Thor, but there's also, like, he talks about, like, creativity, and he talks about, you know, being you know what it's like to being a creative person and the grind of it all and we talk about the the movie we talk about love and thunder and we like we just have these fun little offshoot conversations like the fun one we had today like we're talking about all sorts of stuff we did that for two hours 
Um, so yeah, on June 6th, check out my conversation with Jason Aaron. I, I can't, I like, I really can't believe it happened. I, I've been telling people, a few people like know about it ahead of time. I'm like, I still can't believe it happened. And I've, it's like, it's already done. Like I've already done it and I can't believe it happened. I think I've listened to it like three times already um, because like I got to meet my hero and that's freaking amazing. Uh, so anyway, that's my announcement in two weeks, Jason Aaron here on across the Bifrost. So that's amazing. That's all I got. Oh, I'm excited to hear it. It was it was torture not talking about it this whole time. <laughs> now you know how I feel. <laughs> but uh, Mackenzie, thank you so much for coming back on thank the show. You. Like, thank you for having any time. It's always it's always a pleasure. Legitimately a joy to talk to you and anytime. And uh, everybody, seriously, go buy one of her books. Go buy all of her books. Um, they are delightful. Like, and there's there's like there's moments where like she's gonna make you cry. And then you're going to be like, oh, no, gosh, like there's so many different emotions and you know, things that go into reading one of her books. And like, I've just enjoyed them so much. So, you know, so many of the people I interact with about these books are book people. Um, and so to hear that from you, who is such a comic person and such a Marvel person, it just warms my heart. So I'm, I'm so happy. Well, I and I uh, seriously, I can't wait for the announcement. It's going to be awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, so everybody. Um, that's what's coming up next week. We are talking new comics. We are going to talk about uh, Banner of War, the second and third parts. And then we're going to talk about the latest issue of Avengers that focuses all on Jane. Jane's going to meet the past version of herself. So like Valkyrie Jane Foster is going to meet Thor Jane Foster. And I don't really know what to expect yet. Um, so we're going to talk all about the new comics. Uh, Will and Faz are going to come back and talk about those they are super uh, hyped to talk about new comics and uh, yeah, you're going to enjoy that episode. And then, like I said, two weeks, Jason Aaron here on across the Bifrost. Um, that is going to be a can't miss episode. Uh, so everybody, until we see you next time aboard the rainbow bridge, I remind you what I remind you every single week uh, that no matter where you are in the nine realms, uh, no matter where, what you're doing, no matter what you're up to this week, remember to stay worthy.